Good morning. My name is Sarah Morant with Alberta Health, and I will be your moderator for today's telephone town hall to start the conversation about refocusing healthcare in Alberta. This morning, I'm joined by Minister of Health, Adriana Lagrange, by the new board chair with Alberta Health Services, Dr. Lyle Oberg, and the president and CEO of Alberta Health Services, Moro Chais. I'm also supported by the Deputy Minister of Health, Andre Tremblay, as well as other senior officials from across the Department of Health, Mental Health and Addiction, and Seniors Community and Social Services. Before we hear from Minister LaGrange, please allow me to explain how this town hall will work. Right now, across Alberta, people are connecting to the call, and soon you will have a chance to join the conversation. You can get in line to ask a question or share your feedback right now or at any time by pressing star three on your phone. And for those of you listening online, you can enter your comments directly into the portal in front of you. We hope to use this time to start the conversation by listening to you as well as answering questions you may have. I would now like to welcome Minister of Health, Adriana LaGrange to share some opening remarks. Thank you so very much. And good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. And first, I want to bring um, apologies from the Minister of, Community, of Seniors and Community and Social Services, Jason Nixon, and uh, Minister Dan Williams of Mental Health and Addictions, who are both at the RMA, which is the Rural Municipality Association Forum that is currently going on. I know that yesterday's meeting, or sorry, yesterday's announcement may have caused some anxiety. And uh, we are here, after all, talking about change. And change is never easy. And uh, even when that change is for the better. And I, I really appreciate the fact that all of you are taking this time to be on this call. That's why I'm here today, along with AHS Board Chair, Dr. Lyle Oberg, and the others that were mentioned. We're here to address your questions and hear your concerns. For those of you joining us to better understand what the changes are um, and what they mean for you, let me give you a short recap. So for too long, we have watched you buckle under the strains and stresses, <clears throat> pardon me, of an inefficient healthcare system. Not only has it been failing too many Albertans, but it's also been failing you, the ones who do the work and care for us in our most vulnerable times. So we are refocusing the system and creating a fully integrated structure that revolves around four priority areas, primary care, acute care, continuing care, and mental health and addiction. We are maintaining and keeping what is best of a single geographic healthcare system. What we are doing is refocusing around those four priority areas that I have just indicated. So this change is largely at the governance level and will not affect most healthcare workers' day-to-day -day work. I want to be clear, we anticipate that there will be no job losses for AHS staff working in frontline positions directly delivering care to patients. Our top priority is to protect frontline staff. For the majority of frontline healthcare workers, you will continue to do your job, and in fact, many of you will continue to work for AHS. We will continue to forge ahead with recruiting more doctors, more nurses, more paramedics, and, and other <clears throat> pardon me, and other healthcare professionals where we need them. One of the benefits of this new structure will be dedicated leadership, 
who will now be able to focus on their particular sector and healthcare workers in it. Another benefit we see is strengthening decision-making at the local level. So these new organizations will help to do that. And so too will new local advisory councils that will be created. And just so you're aware, they, uh, these councils will replace the current AHS advisory councils. You know your own role best and the needs on the ground. And we want to empower you to be able to make more decisions. Overall, we want you to feel better supported, better heard, and better able to do your important work without system obstacles. But we do not want to move ahead without your input. For too long, decisions have been made without hearing from the very people it will affect the most. We want to know what's working now and what needs to change. And who better to tell us this than the people who live it every day? After all, a major reason for this change was that we needed to start prioritizing the overall well-being of healthcare workers. Starting with making your jobs easier by cutting out the daily frustrations of hurdles, layers of approvals, and decisions that don't make sense for your area. We know all of this gets in the way of caring for Albertans and can lead to job dissatisfaction, stress, and burnout. And ironically, a healthcare system that is itself unhealthy. We need your help to strengthen our healthcare system and bring it back to its former vitality. By joining us today, we are, we are already, pardon me, I've been talking too much today already. By joining us today, you are already helping us by being willing to engage with us. We are planning many engagement opportunities, so if you are unable to get through today, there will, there will be many ways for you in the coming weeks and months ahead to contact us. There are also various channels through which you can reach us. At telephone town halls like today, in-person sessions that will be scheduled in the weeks ahead, and through a survey on our website, www.alberta.ca slash healthcare. And I'll repeat that, www.alberta.ca slash healthcare. So thank you again for joining us, and I'm looking forward to starting on this journey together to a better healthcare system, and I invite all of you to take part in that journey. So thank you. Thank you so much, Minister LaGrange, for your opening remarks. And for those of you who may have just connected, welcome to this morning's telephone town hall about refocusing healthcare in Alberta. Joining me this morning are the Minister of Health, Adriana LaGrange, the new board chair with Alberta Health Services, Dr. Lyle Oberg, the president and CEO of Alberta Health Services, Moro Chais, and Alberta Health Deputy Minister, Andre Tremblay. We are also joined this morning by senior officials from across the Department of Health, Mental Health and Addiction, and Seniors, Community, and Social Services. If you would like to join the conversation right now or at any time during this town hall, you can do so by pressing star three on your phone. And for those of you listening online, you can enter your question in the portal and we will be getting to you as quickly as we can. I would now like to start the conversation by reading the first question that was submitted from Tom, who's listening online. And Tom says, how will the new structure actually help to support the workforce? And thanks for that question, Tom. I'm going to ask Minister LaGrange to please go ahead. So thank you, Tom, for the question. It really is about empowering the workforce, really allowing you to have your voice heard 
Uh, we are looking at uh, also ensuring that the structures that are put in place, uh, the governance structures, are um, that there's less layers of bureaucracy between the frontline workers and the governance structures that are in place, uh, whether they be in the areas of primary care, continuing care, acute care, or mental health and addictions. So it really is um, the opportunity to, to be heard, to uh, have a more streamlined process. And also, um, you know, we're doing many other, uh, engaging in many other areas where we can hear directly from you. As I indicated, we're gonna have face-to-face uh, -face meetings, town halls. Um, there's just gonna be many more opportunities for you to help us shape what the future looks like. And so we really invite you to be part of that conversation to help us shape the future. And we are going to continue with everything that we are working on, on the health workforce strategy, on the modernizing Alberta's primary care. Um, there's been new legislation on continuing care and new regulations coming. I think we're at an opportune time to look at uh, this new structure. So thank you. Thanks, Minister. Keeping the conversation going, the next question was submitted from Jonathan, who's listening online. And Jonathan says, will the primary care organization employ frontline clinical staff, such as nurses, for example? Thanks for that question, Jonathan. Minister, please go ahead. So will the primary care organization employ frontline clinical staff? Um, so... What we're looking to do as the governance structure for primary care, and it was actually highlighted in the MAPS um, engagement that happened. Um, when we looked at um, the, one of the recommendations was to have an organizational structure that oversees the various um, deliverers of primary care. And we have, we know we have many delivery methods, whether it's uh, ARPs or, or primary care networks or clinical uh, clinics um, that are, are physician run. We know that we are coming from a team-based approach. So our nurse is going to be part of that team-based approach. Yes, they will be. But they're really, the primary care, it's really looking at a coordinating governance structure. They're, they will not be employing directly those nurses or any other primary care health professional. It really is a coordination governance structure. I hope that clarified uh, your question. Thanks again, Minister, for that. The next question submitted from Katie, who's listening online, says, the structure appears to silo the organizations and make it more difficult for patients to navigate between agencies. Have you engaged patients in the development of this model? Thanks for that question, Katie, Minister. Thank you so much, Katie. And really, that is the last thing I want to do is to create silos. We do not want silos. We want a seamless patient experience, regardless of where they enter into the system. And so um, there, there is uh, a box, if you were looking at the, um, the actual structure, um, that is an integration council. All of these organizations will be working together um, I'm a rehab practitioner by profession. I really believe in authentic wraparound services and putting the patient at the center of the care. 
And so uh, we will have to make sure that these organizational structures are fulfilling their obligations to, to provide streamlined access for patients. And we will be engaging, again, this is a framework that we put out. We are going to engage with all um, healthcare professionals who, who want to engage with us, as well as everyday Albertans who want to have their voice heard. And I know since I've been the Minister of Health, I've heard a lot from both of those organization groups, whether it's individuals um, or uh, doctors, nurses, patients that are, are sharing with us their frustrations with the system, and we know we can do better. So um, again, it is not about uh, making it more difficult for patients. In fact, we want to break down the barriers. Right now, we have got um, you know, acute care that isn't able to speak with, with primary care because they have different, um, um, I'll give you an example, they have different um, IT services. And we need to find a way to be able to better coordinate IT services so that um, a family physician will have access to records, uh, whether that individual was in a hospital or whether it was, you know, a continuing care facility, et cetera. So I'm not sure if there's anyone else here on, on the team that would like to speak to this question, but no, I think, uh, Dr. Oberg, would you like to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think when it comes to healthcare, one of the most critical components is having a seamless system is you can't get patients lost between the cracks between these organizations. And that's going to be an extremely high priority for us to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, we're going, by having these organizations, what we're doing is we're putting a, a tremendous focus on primary care, on a, uh, mental health care, on continuing care. And uh, I think it's, I really commend the government and the minister for doing this because I think it's the way of the future. Thank you so much, Minister, and thank you as well, Dr. Oberg. I'd like to keep the conversation going and welcome a live participant. This is Tim from St. Paul. Tim, your line is now open. Um, sorry, I'm in a car, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping uh, I'm here. Am I? Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Um, I guess uh, my question is, uh, if uh, Addiction Mental Health is a separate agency uh, from acute care, how are uh, our acute care services uh, provided to people and how are uh, addiction mental health units that are in acute care facilities uh, going to be uh, less interaction if it's a different agency through the door to a mental health unit versus the uh, adult medicine unit that it's cohabitated with in, in a hospital? So. Uh, if the intention is Great. seamless, then why are we breaking uh, agencies apart and, and differentiating between people with addiction mental health uh, conditions, medical conditions, and people with... So, thank you. Thanks so much, Tim. And uh, I'd like to offer the floor to Minister LaGrange to go ahead and respond. Thank you, Tim. Great question. And uh, the, the work has already been going on in this area in, in mental health and addictions for, for several years now, to tell you the truth. Um, and you would not have seen any change to the service delivery. Um, I can have um, uh, Evan Romano, who is the Deputy Minister of um, uh, Mental Health and Addictions. He's here in the room and he's happy to give you a little bit more detail in this area. So go ahead, Evan. Great. Thanks, Minister LaGrange and Tim for the question. Yeah, Minister LaGrange is entirely right. 
right. And actually, Tim, as you probably are aware, but hopefully it will not have had any change on the front lines for patient delivery, a consolidation of all mental health and addiction operations has just actually wrapped up. Uh, Carrie Bales, who's the chief program officer, has been leading this work uh, along with a very capable team uh, within AHS to have more of that alignment. And really what that enables is consistency across the province. It's not about creating silos in, in facilities. It's having that direct line of sight on programs done in a consistent way, but not getting in the way of how services are delivered. So I, it's building off of that model where we've got that consolidation of operations so we can leverage strengths and capacities and best practices, but in a way that is not creating barriers within the organization. So thanks for the, the question. Thanks so much, Deputy Minister Romano. Our next participant is Jocelyn, and Jocelyn is listening live from Edmonton this morning. Jocelyn, please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yeah, thanks. I kind of have a similar question to what was just asked, but within the four pillars and what I saw in the news yesterday, it looked like mental health was kind of off to the side. And so it sounds like mental health is still going to stay under AHS, but I just wanted to see if that was correct or if it would be kind of like a separate employer. And then within that, the uh, notification said many staff will stay under AHS who will not be staying under AHS. So thanks, Jocelyn, and uh, you are correct that uh, the uh, mental health and addictions, while it is off to the side, it is all part of the, ment uh, of the greater healthcare system. So we have to have that seamless transition. It's really just because we have a mental health and addictions uh, minister who is specifically in charge of looking after that ministry. Uh, so there is a focus there. In terms of uh, who will stay in AHS, the vast majority of people, if you know, I anticipate will be staying in AHS. AHS will continue to provide acute care services. Um, they they live in the space of continuing care, et cetera. So those individuals will continue to work with AHS. Really, it's where the governance structure comes into play. If your function is more in continuing care, um, that continuing care um, organizational agency will be overseeing the the actual um, um, governance of continuing care. There's no better way to put that. Perhaps I can turn it over to my deputy minister who will kind of explain how this is going to be a journey. It's not going to happen right away either. We're looking at, you know, 18 to, to 24 months before uh, we have everything stood up. So this is a progression. So Andre, if you could highlight a few more details. Absolutely. So we are standing up uh, four organizations. As, uh, as we mentioned, uh, primary care, continuing care, acute care, and mental health and addictions. Uh, primary care will be more coordinative in nature, so it won't have uh, direct control over employees or physicians or individuals that work in, in primary care settings. Um, continuing care and acute care and the mental health and addictions will have uh, more of a direct role in delivery. Um, but in terms of staffing decisions around the delivery of those services, those will progress over time. So we don't have any um, details right now with, regarding staff movement. Uh, we do know that, as, as we all know and understand, AHS will be um, focusing down to those acute care fundamentals. So with continuing care, and mental health and addictions, 
once it's clear which staff need to go into a different employment setting, uh, those uh, details will be shared with all. So just a recap on timelines, continuing care and mental health addictions. The initial structures will be set up in uh, May of 2024. And then the fall, it'll be uh, acute care and primary care. So we're, we're very much at the beginning of this and staffing decisions will uh, unfold over time where it makes sense. And the first step is getting a better understanding of how that staff is organized within AHS to ensure that when we do move uh, employees, that it's done uh, strategically, thoughtfully, and respectfully. Thank you very much. And for anyone who has just joined this conversation, if you would like to ask a question or share your feedback, you can do so by pressing star three right now or at any time on your phone. And for the folks that are listening online this morning, you can of course enter a question into the portal at any time. The next question was submitted from a listener online. This is from Samantha and it says, in rural hospitals, where multiple services are delivered. Does this mean these services will be delivered in four different places now? Uh, no, it does not mean that at all. Obviously, um, we will continue to provide service. Um, it, it just may be who's govern governing at the governance level, um, the decision-making in those areas. So again, it, the services will be provided as they are currently provided and decisions in terms of if that changes in the future will be made in the future where it makes sense. Again, we are looking to provide better service, more coordinated service and laser focused service that is again focused on the patient and the patient journey and improved outcomes. Hopefully that answered your question, Samantha. Thanks very much, Minister. The next question submitted from Tracy, who's listening online, says, how will this impact home care delivery and staff? And thanks for that question, Tracy. I'll go ahead to Minister LaGrange. Thank you. And, and we know that uh, we have an aging population who wants to really age in place and have uh, you know, more options available to them. Uh, when we look at home care uh, delivery and we look at um, home care in general, we know that uh, this is a very important aspect of helping seniors to age in place. Uh, sometimes they need that extra little bit of help. Uh, currently, the way it's delivered, um, there are many different uh, delivery options, whether they are through AHS-delivered uh, programs, and I know I have the, um, the CEO of AHS who could speak to that a little bit more, um, that there's other programs as well that go into continuing, uh, uh, continuing care providers. So um, at, at the moment, it won't change, but as we move forward and we stand up a continuing care agency, we will look to see what makes sense and how we can have expanded reach and expanded services provided across the province. Um, Maura, was there anything you would add to that? No, I think that's correct, Mr. LaGrange. I think it's right now, it's, as you said earlier, it's delivering the right services at the right place. And as we evolve through this model, we'll be determining where that best fit is for home care services. Thanks very much for that, uh, Morrow. 
Our next question is a, submitted from Beth, who's listening online. And Beth asks, according to the Canadian, Canadian Institute for Health Information in 2019, Alberta spends the lowest as a percentage on healthcare admin expenses in Canada at just 3.3%. Should we expect further cuts in admin and support services? So I'll ask Minister LaGrange to please go ahead. Uh, so we're going to look at um, all of the um, the administration as we go into Alberta Health Services, where where um, that administration is located, what the workforce looks like. Um, while that number of uh, three three point three percent, we also know that IHS has a very large. Uh, population. We also know that there are a number of individuals that perhaps uh, by definition are not considered administration, um, but yet never touch a patient. So we're going to look at all of that. We're going to look at the workforce and, and uh, look to see what makes sense, but how can we streamline the, the, the whole administration and make sure that uh, we have less layers of bureaucracy between the patient and the frontline workers and the top. And when we look to develop the new organizations, the new agencies, we're, we're also going to look at, you know, there are, are individuals currently working within AHS that really are, their, their whole primary focus is on whether it's primary care, continuing care, or mental health and addictions. Where do they fit in in those, those organizations? So those are the conversations we'll be, um, we'll be looking to have as we move forward. Again, um, early days, this is a framework and we have a lot of conversations to have with all of you and, um, and Albertans in general as we move forward. Thanks, Minister. The next question is submitted from Kyle who's listening online and Kyle says, every government shakes up healthcare in Alberta. Why is this happening again? And what is going to be different about the change this time? I, I would say that, uh, Governments are looking to make sure that um, we are providing excellent health care service uh, for all Albertans. And uh, AHS and health care has evolved over time. It started in 2008. There's been an evolution, and we need to continue that evolution. We have an aging population. We have a mental health and addiction crisis going on. Uh, we have opportunities uh, to strengthen primary care. We have, um, you know, we obviously have a shortage of frontline primary care providers, so we need to address those issues. We've had numerous engagements over um, the last number of years, whether it was the modernizing Alberta primary care uh, systems uh, engagements, the Indigenous maps, we'll call it maps for short, the Indigenous maps panels. We had expert panels on that. We had the Alberta EMS Provincial Advisory Committee and EMS Dispatch Review. We've had a continuing care review. We've had an EHS review, and I could go on. All of those engagements have informed um, the decision-making that we need to change. We need to continually evolve. Technology has advanced. We have so many um, great things happening in this province. We were once a leader in all of Canada and in the world and we've slipped and we need to get back to that. And at the end of the day, we need um, to have better uh, patient service. We have people waiting way too long uh, for surgeries, for diagnoses, uh, for um, much needed um, um, intervention, healthcare intervention. 
and, and we need to address all of those areas. Dr. Oberg, is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I, I think that that's certainly a full answer on what is going on. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult question, to be honest. Um, times change, uh, healthcare changes. Uh, we've seen a lot of techno technological changes that have occurred over the last 30 years. And government's job is to keep up with those changes and ensure that there is great health care for the citizens of Alberta. And what it all boils down to is patient care. And uh, that's what the primary focus has to be, is to get the absolute best patient care, get the best access, get the best results for the patients in Alberta. Thanks again for that, Dr. Oberg. The next question is from Hassan, who's listening online this morning. And the question says, the recovery-oriented approach, is that the only method being used or also harm reduction one or a multifaceted approach? Can you speak about the rumors about privatization for AHS once the organization has, uh, has gone through? Minister Lagrange? Well, thank you for the question. And I'm going to turn that right over to the Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Great. Thanks, Minister, and thanks, Hassan, for the question. There are a couple pieces in there, but I, I think it's really important to highlight uh, the, the new organization, which will continue to be responsible for delivery of mental health and addiction services currently delivered by AHS. That's going to continue delivering services across a whole and comprehensive continuum of care. So that really importantly, within a recovery orientation, that includes prevention and intervention, treatment and recovery supports and it really is a pathway funding has increased for harm reduction uh, ongoing look at, at supports and, and harm reduction needs are absolutely part of that recovery orientation but the goal is actually to provide albertans with supports to help themselves on a path to recovery rather than staying in a state of addiction now with the other parts of the question about the different types of, of providers uh, there is absolutely not a, a plan to look at privatization of those services. As I said at the start, those services that are delivered by HS, the new organization will continue to deliver those services being delivered by HS. But as you very much know, Hassan, there are a lot of nonprofit community organizations that are delivering services in community, and AHS works very closely with those services. New recovery communities on reserve delivered by Indigenous uh, uh, leadership and, and health organizations as examples. There are a whole bunch of providers who will continue to work with AHS in the days ahead. Thanks so much for that, Deputy Minister Romano. The next question submitted from Kaylee, who's listening online, says, how are you planning on maintaining continuity of care? As someone who works in mental health with people living in continuing care, how will that work if we are both separate? Minister Lagrange, please go ahead. Um, and, and I think there's some confusion there. You will not be separate in terms of of the actual delivery. Uh, the delivery to the patient will be seamless. What will be separate is a governance structure that that really is laser focused on ensuring that those that are working in the sectors are providing the quality care that needs to uh, be provided. So there is um, that maintaining continuity of care is really at the core of why we need to ensure that we have governance structures that, that will follow through with that. Right now, um, in primary care, for example, 
It's very fragmented. There is no overarching structure in place. On continuing care, again, um, you know, one of the recommendations is to put together a, a continuing care structure that can really organize not just the infrastructure, but where the workforce needs to, to be better employed um, or deployed, I should say, is the word, and making sure that we have the right amount of people where they need to be um, to provide service. We have an aging organization, and yes, we, we know that there's mental health uh, concerns and that um, that sometimes they overlap in different areas. It's not fragmenting. It's really about providing seamless care. Is there anything, Dr. Oberg, you'd like to add to that piece? Yeah, I, I think we use the term seamless care and, and we're looking at governance of the particular organizations, the primary care, the mental health, but when it comes to the actual patient and patient care, we, we want the patient care to get uh, resources from all the different uh, agencies that are going to be out there. We want it to be as easy as possible for the patient. That's what we're going to be working on um, is how to get it absolutely 100% as easy as possible. And uh, that's what we're going to be moving forward in the future with. Thanks so much, Dr. Oberg. The next question submitted online from Patricia says the following. I'm worried about the impact of this on my job. Will I be laid off when the new organizations are set up? Now, I know she didn't specify a job, but perhaps uh, Mr. LaGrange, you could go ahead with some comments on that. Well, thank you, Patricia. And I don't want you to be worried about your job. Like re This is not about eliminating jobs. This is not about finding cost savings. This is really about improved patient care and making sure that we are able as a healthcare system to provide that care. Um, so often um, in the past, a lot of decision-making was through the lens of acute care, but we know we also need to focus on um, the primary care, really that solid foundation of keeping people well and out of hospital. But we know that when you need to enter a hospital, that we, we know that we need good people there as well. So really, we want to maintain the full workforce. We want to find a better work-life balance for the workforce. We want to find opportunities for you to do your job to the best you can possibly do it. We want to hear your voice. So please do not be afraid. This is not about eliminating jobs. You may have to, um, you know, not in that here is where I'm gonna make a bit of an assumption. If you're working for AHS, the good chance that you will continue to work for AHS. If you're working for AHS that perhaps is delivering continuing care while the organizational structure of continuing care uh, will be overseeing that, you will still be working for AHS continuing care um, as long as they are providing that. So again, this is not um, about, uh, we're really looking about laying off people. This is really about protecting the front lines. In fact, I anticipate that we will actually be growing the front lines. I think there will be more people working in healthcare as we move forward. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Minister. Um, the next question is from Alan, who's listening online this morning. And Alan says, can you state how AHS funding will be redistributed? So as we go into, um, into looking at AHS, uh, we will, um, through the board, they will have the mandate to look at the financials 
and what areas uh, are deemed to need to go to uh, continuing care, uh, primary care, or mental health and addictions. Um, we are in early days, as I said earlier. This is a framework. We're, we're starting to build it with all of you, and um, more to come on that as we move forward. Thanks, Minister. The next question submitted from Kelly, who's listening online, says, you have said there is a shortage of healthcare professionals. To meet this need, will you force doctors or nurses to work in other communities? Thanks for that question, Kelly. I don't believe it's ever uh, a good thing to force people to go and work where they don't want to be. And so um, my answer right now would be no. Uh, what we need to talk about is more uh, how can we attract and retain physicians, nurses, uh, healthcare aides um, to work in where they want to be? And, and how can we get them to areas where we have deficits? And what are the incentives that would, would perhaps entice a, a doctor or a nurse to go work in a rural remote area that is underserved right now? But would I force people? No. Thanks, Minister. The next question um, this morning was also submitted online from Amanda. And Amanda asks, how do you plan to evaluate the changes you are implementing? How will these be shared and who will do that? And I'll ask Dr. Lyle Oberg to please go ahead on this question. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Amanda, for that question. Um, one of the key things that has to occur in 2023 in any healthcare system is that you have to be able to measure your results. You have to be able to go and determine um, if this is working or if that is working. And that's absolutely what we will be attempting to do. There's a lot of research around the world when it comes to healthcare indicators. And uh, we will be employing a lot of these indicators to show us exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, there's a lot of myths out there in healthcare, and uh, we want to make sure the facts are on our side. Thanks so much, Dr. Oberg. The next question comes from Rhonda, who's listening live on the phone this morning. Um, Rhonda, if you're there, your line is now open. Please go ahead. Good morning. I have a question about in our rural hospitals, we have specific units that are designated long-term care. And then we often see our acute care beds filled with uh, patients that are waiting for long-term care placement. Is there discussion or talk about moving long-term care beds out of the acute care setting? I think we have to look at uh, where we can provide care for seniors um, that isn't within acute care. Uh, I think that's a discussion that has been ongoing for a while. Uh, we do have uh, rural facilities, but sometimes it makes sense to, to continue the way things are because of uh, the lack of spaces within the community, dependent on which rural community it is. So really, we have to be very thoughtful about this. We have to look at what is available and how we can do this. I know that there are, are a number of seniors um, that are in acute care beds that could be better served in the community. So how do, how do we meet those needs? And does it make sense in certain communities to keep it as it is right now? Uh, the other piece to that is I also know that um, um, seniors that are in beds in hospitals that are able to, to leave 
actually stay longer in hospital in Alberta than they do anywhere else in Canada. So we have to look at how we can bring that number down as well. So I think there needs to be very thoughtful discussions on this and we are committed to having those conversations. Thanks so much, Minister. And keeping the conversation going this morning, we have another live participant. This is Louise listening live from Edmonton this morning. Louise, go ahead, your line is now open. There. I was wondering if there was another care model or governance structure that exists within Canada or even North America that you use as background or for uh, in your design of this structure for Alberta? Thank you. Great question. Um, and I would just say that you're probably well aware that we were the first um, in Canada and, and also globally, I think, uh, one of the first globally to, to consolidate and have one uh, geographic healthcare system. Uh, what uh, I also know is that functional models of healthcare are not new um, around the world and in Canada as well. And so when we're looking to make this a functional model that obviously has a different governance structure that it, than currently exists, we want to retain what is the best of having a single healthcare system, which is, you know, the integrated IT um, that needs to, to actually be more integrated. Um, but, uh, you know, the procurement, we, that's why we're setting up a, a procurement and, um, and optimization secretariat. We want to keep all the best of having that single healthcare system, but really focus on improving in the areas of uh, continuing care, primary care, mental health and addictions, and of course, also acute care. Dr. Oberg, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, thank you. I, I, I would just add, um, one of the issues that happens in any healthcare system is that the elephant in the room tends to get fed. And uh, what you see is the acute care services sometimes usurp what's happening in continuing care, in primary care. And what this system does, it actually puts the onus on primary care. It puts a focus on primary care, that they have a very large voice at the table. Continuing care has a very large voice at the table. Uh, mental health and addictions has a very large voice at the table. And I think that that's a critical component. Unfortunately, um, because acute services, we all want acute services when we need them. Sometimes uh, the rest of them get forgotten. And I think with this model that we have here now, it guarantees that these uh, uh, modalities of treatment, the primary care, continuing care and mental health will not be forgotten. Thanks again, Dr. Dr. Oberg. The next question comes in from Henry, and Henry's listening in um, Calgary this morning through the online portal. Henry says, healthcare workers know best where the bottlenecks lie. Are they going to help with these suggestions? They need to be heavily involved. So perhaps I'll start with Minister LaGrange. Yes, absolutely. That's why we want these engagement sessions to happen. And, you know, as I said earlier, there's many opportunities to engage, whether it's through these town halls, whether it's going to be in in um, face like face to face, because we're going to have many of those as well. There's going to be um, lots of opportunities. There's an online survey, and I don't have the um, the email in front of me, but I'll get it for you. And 
there's there's just many opportunities. We do want to hear from the front line because I absolutely believe that you have a lot of great ideas on how we can make the system better. The other piece that I want to highlight is that when this isn't going to be just for now, we want to create structures that you will have access to to giving that feedback on an ongoing basis. It can't be just for now as we build the new healthcare system together, a new and improved healthcare system together. It, it is for the long term. And so we're going to look at what are your ideas on how we can improve that communication flow from the from the front lines to, to the top. So thank you so much. Oh, and here they handed it to me. So it's alberta.ca slash healthcare. You'll be able to have a way to get back to us with your feedback. Dr. Oberg? Yeah, thank you, Minister LaGrange. And I just wanted to add that um, since I um, have come into this position, uh, the first people that I contact, and actually the first meeting that I've arranged and hopefully will be arranged is actually with medical students. And I'll be talking to them about what their views are about primary care. Um, what do they think about primary care? What are the pros and cons that they are that they see about why or why not they don't want to be a primary care physician. And I think the, the strategic um, direction of what we're going to be doing is talking to healthcare workers, because quite frankly, you guys are the ones who see it every day. You know what's happening out there and we have to listen to you. Thanks very much, Dr. Oberg. Our next uh, participant this morning is listening live online or live on the phone from Barhead. Uh, Melissa, your line is now open. Hello, I'm just curious where does public health fit into the new priority sectors and does public health exist in the new structure? Absolutely, public health um, is uh, key to the health delivery model that we have in Alberta. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're referring to actual, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about privatization. I want to be very, very clear. We are not privatizing healthcare in Alberta. Um, this is about finding uh, greater um, access for, for individuals, uh, the ability for patient care to improve. And um, so the structure the, that we have in place, AHS, has a very important role to play in public health care that will continue. Our, our positive relationships will continue. And um, I'm, I'm very, very wanting to be very clear, this is not privatization. We are actually looking to continue having and improving the excellent public health care system that we have and publicly funded health care. Dr. Oberg, anything to add? Yeah, I, I would just add that uh, Noel Burton is going to have to open their wallet to receive medically necessary health care in Alberta. I also know that uh, my deputy wants to, to share some further information. Just further on public health, we have a very strong relationship that exists between uh, the department and the chief medical officer of health and all the frontline public health professionals that exist within AHS. That relationship is strong and it was very much tested over the last three and a half years, certainly. Um, that relationship will continue moving forward. Um, we will always look at opportunities for more efficiency and stronger connection and appropriate resourcing, but that relationship and how those staff engage and where they engage will continue. 
May I add something to that? Certainly. Thanks. Thanks, Andre. I just wanted to build on what you said. I think public health is uh, incredibly important. If we haven't learned anything about what has happened in the pandemic over the last couple of years, then, then shame on us. Public health is critically important, and what I really see is that it's going to be strengthened so that we know when pandemics are going to occur, so we know what is going to be effective treatment and how we're going to do it. So I, I just can't say enough about public health and the importance of it. Thanks for that, Dr. Oberg. Um, the next question comes from Aaron, who is listening online, and Aaron says, it sounds like Covenant Health is going to take a bigger role. What does that look like? Mr. LaGrange, please go ahead. Well, I'm not sure that Covenant Health will take a, a, a bigger role. Um, that's, you know, really what um, the role will be is that uh, they are a service provider and they will no longer have a contract with AHS. They will have a contract under the acute care organization. Um, so they will continue to provide services in the areas that they provide service. It's just who their contract is with. Thanks very much. And keeping the conversation going to, and the next question that was submitted online, this comes from Colin and it says, why didn't you reintroduce regional health boards? This is still a centralized system that is run out of Edmonton. Minister LaGrange, perhaps we'll start with you. Uh, well, thank you for the question. Uh, regional boards, there were issues around regional boards with have and have not, um, um, areas of the province. Um, the one, um, the one great thing about having one geographic uh, healthcare system is the integration that can exist. So we want to keep what is best of a healthcare system that is one healthcare system dedicated to all. But what we're really looking to do is focus on those key priority areas. And as far as the regional health boards, uh, we still want to have that ability to hear from every single region. I, in fact, I just came from the uh, Rural Municipalities Association and I've heard for months now from, from various mayors and community leaders that they do not feel that their voices have been heard. And we wanna create structures through the um, through the advisory council where the regional voice is heard because there is value in being able to strategically plan for the whole province, whether that's in capital infrastructure, whether that's in IT systems, whether that's in data and research, there's many opportunities, but we still need to hear the local level uh, voices and we don't wanna create disparities across the province. So that is, um, why we're going to the system that we're going to that is again laser focused on providing care to patients and improving their health journey. Yeah I, I just wanted to add to that Colin. Um, I don't know if you know me or not but I was actually born in Forsberg, Alberta which is about as rural as you can get and I practiced in Brooks, Alberta. So rural Alberta is near and dear to my heart and it's something that uh, I will work as, as board chairman uh, to protect the healthcare in these areas. So uh, we wanna hear from what's happening in rural Alberta all the time, but uh, this is not strictly an Edmonton and Calgary system. 
Um, it's there for everyone in Alberta, and that's going to be our goal to ensure that everyone gets great health care. Thanks again for that, Dr. Oberg. And I'm going to keep the conversation going to our very next question that was submitted online from Sherry. And Sherry says, I understand your department is going to take greater control of the system. Since the government is not involved in delivery, how can they take on this role? Minister LaGrange, I'll start with you. Well, the government as the, um, as the main funder um, and the, also the policy maker um, really needs to have uh, governance uh, in place to, to do these things. Um, and, and that has been somewhat lopsided uh, for a while now. So we need to make sure that we are in fact uh, doing our due diligence as government to make sure that uh, we're providing infrastructure right across the whole province, to make sure that we're resourcing the whole province appropriately, uh, so that we're doing proper planning, um, all of those areas. So I'm going to turn it over to my deputy minister who can give you a little bit more feedback on that as well. Thanks so much, uh, Minister. And, and yes, as we're refocusing the healthcare system, we are also um, revitalizing the Department of Health. And um, as, a, as government, as a department, uh, the department has a responsibility for setting policy, setting standards, ensuring funding is going to where it's most needed, ensuring that the system is performing in a way in which is in the public interest, and ensuring that a, a provincial perspective is considered with setting policy strategy and directing funding. So the, the department will be taking a, a more significant role in things like system planning, in capital planning, in setting access standards, and ensuring that uh, patients are, are getting what they need um, with their individual journey in the healthcare system. That certainly doesn't mean that the department can do that in isolation. I think the question was a very good one because we do need to understand the realities of what's happening on the ground with regards to healthcare delivery with frontline staff and, and individuals that are delivering services and programs. So uh, our relationship with AHS is strong. It'll continue to be strong. AHS is a vital component of this new refocused healthcare system. And there's a multitude of other partners that the, the department needs to forge strong relationships with as well. And so this isn't unique. Uh, Alberta or the Department of Health um, will be taking a more renewed role, similar to many other jurisdictions where departments set those strategies, set those targets, and, and direct funding most appropriately. Thanks for that, Deputy Tremblay. The next question is going to come from Jessica, who's listening live on the phone from Edmonton. Jessica, please Hi there. I am curious about what, uh, before the decision was made, what consultation was done with frontline staff? And as a frontline care provider, we are burnt out, and I appreciate that acknowledgement. But I'm having difficulty seeing how adding management and what seems like more bureaucracy will improve burnout and improve staffing levels. So thank you, Jessica, for the question. And I know how hard it's been over the last number of years. It's been very, very difficult. And I know that there's a lot of stressors on you. And the, um, the refocusing is really about uh, looking at the whole system. How do we move the whole system forward? We have to evolve. We have to 
provide better access. But we also know that we have a health workforce that um, there are challenges on. That's why we brought forward the health workforce plan to, to hire more nurses, doctors, and help relieve some of that strain that's on you right now. Um, and other healthcare professionals, we, we're, we're looking to hire more. We're looking to resource better. Um, we have the healthcare action plan, all of these things, but we still need to move the system forward. And so while there's opportunities to, um, to, to further um, help in these areas, um, we, we need to make sure that as we move forward, we are engaging with all of you. And that's what this is. This is the start of a conversation, the start of a, as I said earlier, a framework that we are going to build with you. We need to hear from you. What can we do better so that we can alleviate that burnout stress? But we also still need to move the system forward because doing the same thing um, that we've been doing has not been working. And so we need to do something differently. Robert? Yeah, I, I would just say that uh, in these changes, the most critical element is patient care. And quite frankly, we won't have patient care if we have burnt out frontline employees. Frontline employees are, are, are paramount. Um, I was one for a lot of years, but uh, it's critical that we listen to you. It's critical that we listen to your ideas, and it's critical that we find the efficiencies that many people tell me are out there. So that's what we'll be looking at, and we'll be asking and talking and listening. Thanks for that, Dr. Oberg. And just a reminder, if you're listening and you haven't had a chance to submit your question or join the conversation, I encourage you to press star three right now on your phone and try to get in the queue for the remaining 30 minutes we have together this morning. Our very next participant who's listening live this morning from Calgary is Megan. Megan, please go ahead. Your line is open. Yeah, absolutely. It's Megan. I'm a social worker here in Calgary. Um, with uncertainty of new employers and how this is going to impact staff, have you consulted with unions? And will you consult with our unions moving forward with these changes? Also, will you include unions with retention and recruitment discussions moving forward? So, um, yes, we have fully briefed the unions um, on the changes that uh, we anticipate um, that we are making and, and we anticipate uh, moving forward on. And uh, we have a meeting, actually, I have a meeting set up next week with many of the unions. Um, as far as the Alberta Medical Association, um, I've been in talks with them in terms of the uh, modernizing Alberta's primary care system and physicians in particular on a new funding model for primary care. So there's a lot of work that's already happening there. But on, on the other uh, health sectors, uh, yes, we're involving unions and we are open to discussion, discussions on all of these areas. Because again, uh, we need to hear from you and we need um, your expertise, your knowledge and your ability to share with us how we can do things better. Thanks, Minister LaGrange. The next question submitted from Kendra, who's listening online, says, how does the new organization and integration um, committees remove the administrative burdens? So thanks for that question, Kendra. I'll go to Minister LaGrange. 
Thank you for the question. So again, these agencies, these uh, these organizations, we haven't landed on a name on them yet uh, because that will also be part of the engagement process to to see what uh, the best name should should be given to these organizations. Um, really, are looking to reduce uh, barriers from the front line to to you know top levels of of decision making. Uh, what I can say right now is that. Um, uh, a lot of these organizations, these individuals already exist, perhaps within AHS or other areas. So we're looking to to see how that um, works out, and and then once we get into AHS and and really see um, the the workforce structure, we'll be able to to better um, direct people in the right areas. So it is not about adding administrative barriers. We're really looking to reduce red tape. I think there's a lot of red tape that exists. Um, currently within the system, just in, in the time period that I've been in and heard some of the stories that just doesn't make sense, um, that we can uh, perhaps allow more um, decision-making to happen right on the front lines uh, because some of the decision-making has been removed from them. And so, again, looking to make things better, not at administrative barriers. Thanks very much, Minister LaGrange. Our next participant this morning is Brody, and Brody's listening live from Lac St. Anne. Brody, please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi there. Um, my question is in regards to EMS. With the uh, plan changes to AHS, what can we anticipate in regards to EMS service, specifically service provider, whether it's AHS, Associated Ambulance, Medivhiv, are we going to be seeing more AHS funding going to these either private for-profit or private non-profit services? So we've seen some improvements um, when we started implementing uh, some of the recommendations that had come forward from the, the various reviews. And, um, you know, and I can get into the names of those, but I won't. Um, and, but what we've seen in the last little while is that there's been some slippage. And so, First of all, we want to re um, implement the recommendations that were put, were put forward. Um, when it comes to looking and the oversight of EMS, it will fall to the new acute care organization that is going to be stood up. So in the interim, AHS will continue to oversee um, EMS services at this point in time. And then as we move forward, uh, that acute care organization will be overseeing uh, the structure, uh, but again, what that looks like, there's a lot of discussion and a lot of um, work that has to go into that. Um, and in the interim, we need to focus on excellent delivery. Um, Mauro, is there anything you'd like to add at this point in time from AHS? No, I think you covered it, Minister. I think um, the depiction of you outlining where EMS lying under the acute care services will get its distinct attention, as you've indicated, and the mix of providers at that point will be determined to ensure that we've got the best coverage in the province. Thanks very much for that. The next participant this morning is Lynn, who's joining us from Medicine Hat. Lynn, please go ahead. Your line is now open. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. My question is, where do you see community care, um, home care, allied health out in the community fitting into this structure? I've been in healthcare almost 30 years. Every year I hear we want to be proactive and help people age in place. 
I've never seen it manifest on the front line. So I'm just wondering what your thought is on that. Well, I, I really see it falling under the continuing care organization that um, will be, um, you know, implementing the new legislation, which is also uh, bringing in new regulations. There's been a lot of work done. Uh, we've actually allocated a billion dollars over the next three years to continuing care. Um, so I, I, I do believe that falls under there. I did miss part of your question as you were asking it. So do you need more clarity from me, Lynn? Um, yeah, I'm just, I think it's... Uh or anyone aging in their home with support lumped in with continuing care, which I think we all interpret as long-term care, to entirely different sections of the population and the ones that choose to age in place at home, which is far better for them in most cases. I just haven't ever seen the support that is needed given to that section of our province. Thank you for that additional clarity because I had missed and you were cutting in and out. Um, I, I agree with you. We, we haven't given it the attention it deserves. And so it is something that we're going to be focused on. And it is certainly something that the continuing care organization will be focused on once it's stood up. Thanks very much. Keeping the conversation going, the next question is submitted from Lisa in Calgary, and she's listening online. Lisa says, how will these changes impact ambulatory clinics in communities currently under AHS? So perhaps I'll ask Moro, um, Moro Chais with Alberta Health Services to please go ahead. Right, thanks, Sarah, and thanks, Lisa, for the question. The ambulatory clinics as they exist right now are well integrated within the acute care uh, facilities, so they will likely continue under that acute care bundle. Uh, they function well and have a uh, distinct and integrated role with acute care, so we'd see that as status quo going forward. Thanks very much, Moral. And the next question is submitted from Andrea, who's listening online, and Andrea says, what does this mean for the family care clinics, primary care, that AHS currently operates? Thanks for that question, Andrea. At this time, it means um, just moving forward as per usual. Um, what that could look like in the future is to be determined. And so again, uh, as, as I wanna re-emphasize to everyone, this is the start of a journey. We're not at the end of the journey, <clears throat> my apologies. Um, and so um, this is, a, we're looking at 18 to 24 months and beyond, depending on how things work out. So again, nothing changes for the immediate future. Thanks for that, Minister LaGrange. The next participant this morning is Yusman, uh, listening live from Edmonton. Do we have you, Yusman? Hello? Hello? You're, you're live in the event. Please go ahead. Hi, hi, Dun. My name's Yusman. I'm... Uh... This is a family physician that works in and around Edmonton. Uh, I understand it kind of changed how, you know, the HS is under four different uh, uh, groups here. Uh, and uh, ironically, I've kind of worked in those capacities from primary care, acute care, continued care, as well as addiction, not addiction, but mental health. Uh, my question is this. I had uh, a few colleagues 
trying to transition here from the United Kingdom. And this, and again, with my personal experience as well as my colleagues and friends' experience, it's such a long, tedious process of trying to transition here. We understand there's a shortage of physicians uh, in this province. Uh, I'll give you just a quick example would be I had a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who is a, a child or learning disabilities specialist, psychiatrist. And from interview to now, it's been about six months, and we're still kind of going through the process. And this is one of many experiences other uh, colleagues have uh, heard that's moved here that I've had. So my question is, you, under, you said talked about reducing red tape. So what specific particular things that can happen where we can have a shortage and a more streamlined process where physicians can move here and provide the care, especially for these kind of specialties that is really needed? So what will happen with those things moving forward? Well, it's something that we've been working on for a while, and I know some of it involves federal government. So we have been, as ministers of health, uh, chatting with federal government on how they can streamline getting uh, people that um, you know have been educated outside of the country um, into into Canada quicker, so that we can um, we can have them working um, in in our various. Uh, areas that we need them in. Uh, we also know that the College of Physicians and Surgeons um, has been working on streamlining their processes as well. Uh, but that being said, there are there continues to be bottlenecks, and it's something that we, as a province, are working to see where we can eliminate those bottlenecks and those areas of concern. I know Dr. Oberg has actually just recently uh, been sitting with um, on the College of Physicians and Surgeons, and he can probably highlight a few more areas for you. Yeah, certainly, Usman. Um, the, up until yesterday, I actually was on the Council of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta. And bringing in physicians and ensuring their competence um, is a critical component and streamlining it. Uh, they are fully cognizant of the issues that are going on with people coming in. Uh, they're making a balance between ensuring their competency, ensuring that the patient uh, that the patients are protected, that the citizens of Alberta are protected, and attempting to walk that fine line to get them out into practice quicker. But they are certainly cognizant of it. They are certainly doing something about it. And can can they do more? Yeah, I think they probably can. Um, but we're putting a lot of pressure on them to continue to make sure that these physicians are able to practice in Alberta. Thanks very much for that, Dr. Oberg. The next question this morning is from Connie, who is listening in Calgary. And Connie says, we all know that primary care is in crisis. And in particular, community family practice is in crisis. Doctors' offices are closing. Doctors are moving to other provinces. So why not address this immediately rather than waiting until the fall of 2024? And uh, thank you, Connie. And uh, the what I would say is that the governance structure is going to be set up for fall of 2024, but we are addressing this immediately. Um, I was very clear in when we released the Modernizing Alberta's Primary Care System um, uh, when I had the press conference a few weeks ago, that we are taking some short-term actions, um, and you know that's including um, a new governance structure for um, nurse practitioners, the ability for them to be funded and actually take patients on, something they weren't able to do under our current structure. Uh, we are looking at providing some 
additional compensation um, for um, family practitioners um, right now for doctors and nurse practitioners uh, for their administrative burden um, that they are dealing with, et cetera. Um, and of course, we've also set up a task force that is starting right away to work on how do we improve our compensation model? How, how can we implement the other areas that were recommended through the Modernizing Alberta's Primary Care System to really retain and attract new physicians? I've got conversations happening right now with the Alberta Medical Association. I signed an MOU with Dr. Parks to work on a new compensation model and to work at stabilizing the system. So there is um, a lot going on right now. It's really just the governance structure um, because it's going to take some time to set up for primary care that will take place in the fall. But all of that other great work to try and stabilize the current workforce that we have to, to attract and retain new physicians. And, and we're being somewhat successful. Uh, we have 100 new family physicians that have started in the last little while. So, um, But more needs to be done. So I absolutely agree we need to prioritize this, and it is being prioritized, and we're going to continue to do that. Thanks, Minister LaGrange. The next question is from Kelly, who's listening online. And Kelly says, are you getting rid of the provincial advisory councils or just the health advisory councils? Minister, perhaps I'll ask you to start, and then we can see if there's others. Sure. Uh, what uh, we are going to do is set up 12 advisory, actually 13 advisory councils using the geographic locations at this point in time of the current advisory councils that um, are the AHS advisory councils. So um, that is what we're going to do. Again, these are early days, early conversations, but uh, we will be having a um, meeting with all of those members that are on the current AHS Advisory Council very soon to clarify. Thanks, Minister LaGrange. Our next uh, participant this morning is Brian, who's listening live from Calgary. Um, Brian, go ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I work with uh, mental health. My question is, uh, for those who um, are in different uh, departments, sometimes they have many managers. And I'm wondering if there's a formula to decide how many managers per how many staff. For example, in my department, uh, there's four managers per 200. And then in one of my friend's departments, she's one manager per 200. So I'm just wondering if there'll be the on-site audits to evaluate this and some of the discrepancies. Thanks for that question, Brian. I'm going to ask our Deputy Minister of Mental Health and Addiction, Evan Romano, to please go ahead. Great, thanks so much, Brian, for the question there. I, I would say the overall goal is to improve delivery and oversight of mental health and addiction services uh, across the province and, and really to ensure that consistent, high-quality services are available to all, all Albertans. You're really talking, I think, that next layer down how is that operationalized across the province? I, I think that's exactly the interest to, to continue with the broad set of priorities we have through uh, Carrie Bales and, and the addiction and mental health team within Alberta Health Services to dig into those specific details. We want to have that consistency across the organization 
We want to leverage best practices, uh, you know, where we have multiple phone lines as examples or, or different programs that could overlap in areas of the province, or as, as you're pointing to different management structures. Those are the types of things that I know Carrie and the, the provincial addiction and mental health team working across the province will be able to look through processes. Uh, I, I think it's really important to point to that as the role of the organization, that's the role of AHS that will be leaning into those pieces, government setting those broader objectives and priorities. But I, I know those are the types of things through the consolidation process that has just uh, proceeded and, and wrapped up a couple days ago and the path forward with establishing this new organization to do that service delivery. Those are the types of details that Kerry and his team will continue to lead into. So much, Deputy Minister Romano. The next question is from Jose, who's listening online. And Jose says, I'm a nurse practitioner working in a hospital, but I would like to do more in primary care and long-term care. How would I go about doing that? Thank you, Jose. And uh, thank you for the excellent work that you provide uh, in, in hospital. And I know it's very valued. Um, if you're looking to transition, obviously we have made an announcement recently on nurse practitioners uh, being able to work to their full scope, um, having access to um, you know a, a new funding model uh, that allows them to take on patients, et cetera. So that a lot of that work is ongoing right now with the Association of Nurse Practitioners, and we are working very closely with them to determine all the details around that new um, new funding model and how that integrates in all the different sectors, whether it is primary care, continuing care, um, mental health and addictions, um, or acute care. So I, I would say contact your association, um, but we're happy to help you where we can as well, and, and feel free to contact my department, um, especially myself or Minister uh, Deputy Minister uh, Tremblay, and we can get you further information on that. Thanks again, Minister LaGrange. Our next participant this morning is Miriam, and Miriam's listening live from Lacombe. Miriam, go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, thank you. I'm a clinical educator, and um, I just want to talk uh, briefly. A couple of really great collaboration things are going on on my team. Uh, between educators um, where acute care and continuing care are collaborating to provide education to frontline staff. Also in the Lacombe Hospital itself, uh, many things are shared. Staff are shared between the acute and continuing care. Physicians are shared. Educators are sharing and uh, down to offices and equipment. So my question is just how will the new governance model ensure cooperation between acute care and continuing care, especially if continuing care staff are offloaded in the future from AHS? Yeah, if I may answer that, um, first of all, it's our intention to continue to have a, a streamlined um, level of care for the patient. I think that's critically, critically important. I don't see that there will be any offloading. There may be offloading that your paycheck may come from a different organization, but as patient care, frontline patient care workers, um, you will be working in very much the same way that you are now. And by the sounds of it, this is certainly a program that we want to expand on getting the education on both acute care and continuing care. Our goal 
is not to impede um, the streamlining of services. Our goal is to ensure uh, that uh, it becomes more and that you continue to work with your colleagues. This is not a divide and conquer type of colleague collegial relationship. It's continuing to do what you do best. Thanks again, Dr. Oberg. The next question this morning, and we are getting towards the end of our time, but I think we can get through about two or three more. This one comes from Alan, who's listening online. And Alan says, you have stated that your intention is to improve accountability. What structures will ensure accountability within each organization? Will fewer layers of bureaucracy somehow include some measure of accountability? So accountability, um, there's many ways to measure that, uh, but we will be working very closely with the Health Quality Council of Alberta that uh, currently has a role to play in, in uh, standards and, and outcomes, um, measurement of standards and outcomes. And uh, we also want to expand that role so that we have very clear, transparent measurements that everyone will be held to account on. Uh, Dr. Oberg, any insights that you'd like to share in this area? Yeah, one of the versioning um, elements of healthcare around the world is that of performance indicators. And certainly we're going to be using performance indicators to ensure the accountability of the system, not necessarily the individual person, but the accountability of the system. We have to be able to measure, we have to be able to hold people accountable, hold the system accountable for a great level of patient care, which is what we are aiming for. So accountability, um, uh, measuring that accountability is critically, critically important to uh, the new system going forward. Thanks again, Dr. Oberg. The next question that we have here is from James, who's listening online. And James says, we haven't heard much about how Indigenous people fit into this. There are a lot of issues with, with access and with respect. What will you do that will change this? We've already started on this journey, James, um, through the modernizing Alberta's primary care system, there was actually an Indigenous panel that gave us recommendations. So we have we have recommendations that came from in Indigenous maps. Um, and uh, I had just uh, um, in my um, release a few weeks ago talked about an Indigenous navigator to help uh, Indigenous patients through their health journey because they, they do face challenges that um, others are not facing to the same extent. Uh, we've also indicated uh, that we have an elders roster that is being stood up to help individuals um, through their journey as well. We've added um, dollars, I believe it's $20 million to an innovation fund um, that would provide for innovative ways um, for Indigenous healthcare across the province, but that's just the start. We know more needs to be done, and we are working collaboratively uh, with Indigenous partners across the province, uh, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit partners, uh, because, again, we can't... Um, I, I know something that came forward very strong on in, from Indigenous maps was that, that nothing should be done for you without you. And so that is our commitment that we're gonna to work together to improve the system. 
Something else that has been done recently is we're standing up in my department an Indigenous uh, department uh, focus. And so there will be um, an assistant deputy minister for Indigenous um, uh, for the Indigenous sector within my department, again, focused on improving Indigenous healthcare. We know there are health challenges that uh, Indigenous people face that others don't face, and we need to address this. And we've also, and I can share that when I met with the Ministers of Health from across Canada, this was uh, very clear that we were advocating, all advocating to the Minister, the Federal Minister of Health, um, that they need to do more um, in their areas of jurisdiction uh, for Indigenous health. And uh, together, we, we can do much, much more. So thank you for that great question. Thanks very much, Minister LaGrange. I think we have time for just one very last question. This was submitted from uh, Tasha in Calgary. I'll go ahead and read it. Tasha says, um, the speakers have mentioned the aging population in Alberta. We also have an aging workforce. What is the plan for educator and mentorship roles in supporting the hiring of new staff? Great question. And uh, I agree with you. I think there's opportunities that we are not actualizing to, um, to the extent that we need to actualize them. Uh, we are actually focusing on um, improving the number of seats that we have in the healthcare professions right across the province. I know the Minister of Advanced Education last year added more seats, uh, but recently we've added more as well. We're, we're training um, more individuals, um, but we also need those mentor roles. So how do we um, attract and retain the mentorship pieces? Um, I just recently spoke also with uh, the residents um, in the, the um, medical residents here in Alberta, and they were sharing some of the challenges that they're facing. So there's some barriers that we have in place that we need to eliminate. So I, I think there's a lot more opportunities we can latch onto that we haven't yet, uh, but we do have to recognize that there is an aging workforce and we need to help them, um, first of all, if they want to remain in the workforce, to stay in the workforce and have an, um, a good quality of, of work. Um, environments have to be healthy environments, we need, they need to feel respected. They need to know that they're valued. So that is something that we're absolutely committed to. But also uh, putting a workforce strategy that deals with all of these issues from a provincial perspective. Dr. Oberg, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I would just add that the, the aging workforce is an issue for us, but it's also a huge opportunity. Um, what we've got there is a tremendous amount of knowledge a tremendous amount of corporate identity and corporate knowledge, and we need to be able to ensure that that knowledge is passed on to the next generation of healthcare workers that comes forward. So certainly um, anything that I can do to help that mentoring capability will certainly do. We just can't lose that knowledge that's out there right now. Thanks, Dr. Oberg. And before we officially close, I would like to welcome Minister LaGrange to just share some closing remarks with all of you. I just want to thank you so much for your attendance, for your thoughtful questions. I know there's a lot of questions. I know that um, we are, as I said earlier, just at the start of the journey, uh, but I am so thankful 
for all of you. Uh, you do tremendous exemplary work each and every day. You are impacting lives. And at the heart of what we're doing is really making sure that we have an excellent healthcare system that is responsive to the needs of Albertans, to the needs of patients, but also that values the workers, that takes into account the struggles that you're going through, that gives you a voice, and also um, will be there for you as, as you go through um, the challenges that you go through each and every day. So thank you so very much. Uh, we want to empower you, and we thank you for for the um, for being here with us today. But hopefully, you'll be able to come back to subsequent meetings and really um, give us your feedback and and your great suggestions on how we can do things better. So again, thank you so very very much. Thanks to you, Minister Lagrange, for hosting today's telephone town hall and. For all of you participating, you can join us again on Tuesday, November 14th at both 11.30 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. for two additional telephone town halls so we can continue this conversation. If you missed part of this town hall or any of our future town halls, you can listen to them online at alberta.ca slash healthcare. You can find access to information and other ways to remain part of this conversation through the same website. Again, it's Alberta ca slash healthcare. Thank you again for joining us and have a nice day.